Hi everyone, it's Jamie McConaughey, uh, lead host of Podcast 60 on the Sunset Strip. As I'm sure you've noticed, we haven't released an episode in a hot minute, and I did want to apologize for that. Uh, we recorded this episode that you're about to hear back in January of 2021, and I, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of excuses I can give, but between classes and work and me fighting some very extreme voice dysphoria, I just... I never, it took me a long time to be able to sit down and edit it. Uh, the audio is a little rough. Um, we tried a new recording technique that I didn't think totally worked out. And, um, yeah, that's just about all I can say about it. It's just, it's just not perfect. But I think the episode's still good, and we are going to record. try to get back to recording as much as possible. Uh, and thank you so much for your patience. I've gotten some messages from people who listened to our first few episodes and really liked it and really enjoyed it, and I'm glad that we can do that for you, but we I, I was actually just on the verge of leaving this even longer, but with Aaron Sorkin coming out with a new movie soon, I figured I, I just got to do it, just got to get back into it. So again, so sorry for the delay. If we make some kind of out-of-date references here, it's because, again, we recorded this 10 months ago back in January. And I hope you really enjoy it. Thanks. Hi, I'm Jamie McConaughey. I'm Andrew Wycliffe. And I'm Brennan Pollock. And this is Podcast 60 on the Sunset Strip. boy is it ever uh, welcome back everyone it's been a while it's, it's been a hot minute <laughs> it's nevada day uh, is that a real thing i didn't it is it is i just googled yeah. it i didn't read about it but like it's a real thing uh, uh it's nevada day part one is important well that that yeah the episode's nevada day part one i, I assume that nevada doesn't split their holiday into two days but <laughs> Who, who knows? They have, as this episode makes sure to point out, legalized brothels. So, you know, who knows what they do? The, the first thing is the legalized brothels, right? Like, no, I think it is. And then, like, then the cop gives, like, this little exposition about how, you know what? We're getting into it already. Yeah, we're, we're too yeah, far. No. We're, we're too far in. <laughs> pull up, pull up, pull up. <laughs> so, uh,. How do I introduce this episode in a way that makes any kind of sense? Okay, so it started when Aaron Sorkin found out about Nevada Day and decided he would base an entire episode around it. Uh, this is this is a thing that kind of shows up a lot in his uh, in like West Wing, where like it's clear like someone told him what he considers to be an interesting fact, and then he's just like desperate to work it into so, an episode so as as i'm sure anyone who follows me on twitter will know one of my favorite shows of all time is uh garth Marenghi's dark place and like one of the things that i love it's a, one of the things i love about it i'm assuming everyone listening is familiar with garth Marenghi's dark place if you're not 
it's on YouTube. Go watch Stop it. Stop listening to us. Go watch it instead. It's yeah. honestly a better use of your time. <laughs> and one of my favorite jokes in like the second or third episode is they have this character as he's dying, like rattle off this list of facts about Bermuda. <laughs> because that's what bad writers do when like, and I've done that myself as a writer where I like, I spent six hours researching this thing and I don't have any other place to put it. So I just jam it in someplace. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, well, the other thing is, this is John Goodman guest ooh. starring in order to uh, boost some ratings because John Goodman was on at least one season of The West Wing after Sorkin left, right? That's the yeah. He's the he's in a couple episodes. He's the like. Um speaker of the house who temporarily becomes president during some sort of an emergency uh and then he like makes a couple cameos later because he is officially a president i I mean i I love me some john goodman i think he's a really underrated actor he will in fact show you the life of the mind um but oh his yeah this is Ooh, it, though I will say so this episode get this episode gets a lot funnier if you assume this is the same character he played in B movie. <laughs> like after he finished pro- prosecuting the the B case, he became a judge. This is the yeah he's in the like weird in the wilderness phase of his life where like <laughs> oh I I failed to stop the bees so I'm just gonna go live in Nevada. <laughs> No bees there. So uh, I do I do want to warn everyone that this episode I think ages worse than anything else so far, which is incredible. It's because but this like ages it aged bad for, you know, December twenty twenty, but it ages really bad for, you know, January twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, because yeah. As as white Christian nationalism becomes a term that, you know, at least one mainstream news outlet has used, this just becomes just this whole, like, every possible bad thing Sorkin can come up with, he does. Like, like I remember when I first watched The Office, like, a couple years ago, because I'm not a big fan of The Office, um, and they dropped the F-slur in that I'm like oh my god they were still saying that on TV in 2004 they dropped this in 2007 they like Uh. hard like tea and everything full word it's insane I um yeah I mean I actually we've got to get into yeah we we just get into some specifics yeah we got to we got to start looking at my notes and I'm like I don't want to spoil this for anyone (laughs) so so the episode opens with uh, what I think is an okay, like, in medias res, I do have a handful of nice things in my notes, uh, that you'll know them when we get to them. So, like, I do think that Tom in a shepherd's outfit and handcuffs in Nevada, it, it's okay. That's an okay, like, ooh, what's going on? Um, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn on that one. Like, I, I, I wasn't able to let, or like, I, I can't decide if I think starting in media res like actually adds anything to this episode uh, I, uh, you had 
No, I, yeah, I agree. I don't think it does, but it's it's more to hide the fact that there's like there's not really a good story. Like if you put this in order, you <laughs> would right, just be right. like, why the hell did they let Sorkin do this? And then he's like, oh, but I'm gonna you know I'm gonna break up the narrative to make it really interesting and throw in some fake reveals like. We've got ourselves a classic Pulp Fiction problem. It, it, it just, it, it, I mean, for starters, we spend the entire episode learning how we got here. Um, yeah, I think that's the thing that really gets to me. Is, okay, so I, I didn't watch the second part because I wanted to, like, I wanted this to just be uh, pure, pure, pure uh, about the first part, not, <laughs> not taint my, uh, my opinions with knowing what's to come. And I think that's the thing that really got to me was that, uh, spoiler alert, uh, the episode ends with us finally catching up to the beginning of the episode. And it's like, so it's not so much in media res as it is in media end. Yeah, and and they they immediately, like, we are seconds into the episode before they're dropping exposition on where we are and what's going on. Yeah, they, there's a lot of um, a lot of tell don't show. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, they're they're in this police station. Um, they they have some really bad like bit with this Chinese businessman. I I I have to tell you, like I have this in my notes. This whole NBS is opening business in Macau storyline. It's white noise to me. I could not care less. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's just, even when Ed has dumping exposition about it, it's just blather and an excuse for Sorkin to, like, is it, I'm sorry, is it xenophobia? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. And you're just like, this is, this is really weird that, like, you know, this is where, this is what his flex is, you know, like. The flexes that Sorkin wants to do here are just like, why the fuck would you want to do that? And it, it's endless. Yeah, it's... Like, yeah. Oof. It, so, it, the lawyer, that's... Um, sorry, I'm, I'm actually looking at my notes because I'm like, wait, we're getting ahead of ourselves again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so the cast in the uh, police station in Nevada is... Danny, uh, Jack, um, Tom, Simon, and the two Chinese, the Chinese guy and his daughter. Yes. And, and the lawyer. And the lawyer. And the yeah. lawyer. Yeah. And the and, lawyer yeah. is the lawyer from The Wire. Really? So, yes. He's the, he's a Barksdale's lawyer from the, he's Avon Barksdale's lawyer. And I'm like looking at him, I'm like, who is this guy? He's been a lawyer on something so much better. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Fun. He's on the wire. I mean, my, my fun fact is that the the story by credit on this episode uh, is um, one of the kids in the hall. Yeah, it's Mark McKinney. Which is just completely blows my mind. He's on a TV show right now, isn't He's he? He's on Superstore, yeah. And Superstore, uh, if you haven't watched it... Um, highest uh, recommendation for a, a mainstream sitcom ever like they're they're in their last season but it's it's a good 115 episodes or whatever like 
it age it's gonna age really well um not even compared to studio 60 but yeah Oof. We're, we're just hanging out in this police station for a couple minutes before uh john goodman shows up as like the judge who's gonna hear uh the bail motion and oh my god like Wait, I, have we said that uh tom has been arrested i think we tom, tom is the one that. tom is the one who's been arrested yeah yeah, Tom's um, yes. been arrested. Everyone else is there to rescue him, I guess. Which is, you know, it's absolute. Like, I have this in my notes later on that, like, this lawyer needs everyone to needs to get everyone to shut the fuck up. Oh yeah, he's not a great, he's not a great lawyer, and you can tell right away by the fact that he allowed this to happen. Like, everyone to come in with, into the uh, police station with him. One of one of my favorite like lawyer moments that like my father um is. Uh, is a former lawyer and a judge, a judge in a way more backwoods place than this could ever be, but never mind that. Um, and like one of my, one of his favorite and my favorite like lawyer moments from any that's like accurate to how a- lawyers actually are is in Gone Girl when Ben Affleck is being interrogated and the cop asks him like, "Is that your wife's handwriting?" And Ben Affleck says, "Yeah, it looks like it." At the same time, his lawyer says, "He's not a handwriting expert." And like that's how you actually do it. Like, nope, I'm not answering that question. Go away. So yeah, they, okay. So let's let's get back to this. Let's, let's get back to this fucking judge. Right. So John Goodman comes in and he he's uh, uh, fresh off of his tour as a dirtbag leftist and decides he's going to do some fun ironic racism <laughs> to to really give it to the to the crew here. And boy, does that go over. <laughs> bad yeah that that's it's just yeah um like it's... somehow they managed to do there's this it's 2007 right this yeah weird. yeah there's a there's a sammy davis jr races dog whistle in here like <laughs> who, and that's not even the first one like there's an overt uh yeah he 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 uses a slur to refer to the um, Chinese people, except of course it's the the wrong slur, which makes it even worse. He refers to them as a slur for Japanese people. Uh, it's uh... and there's a, there's a bit where he's like, um, "If you don't stop talking, I'm gonna get my deputy to shoot you." And then at the end of the whole scene, he's like, "Do you really think I'm some backwoods hick who would do any of these things?" I'm like, "You just did." Just did. <laughs> exactly. Shut up. <laughs> oh, Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin telling us about both sides. Oh. He also like ref- like the there the one the part that really bothered me is he's like is the lawyer's like, "Well, I have this motion that I'd like you to hear." And he's like, "No, I'm not hearing any motions." Well, if it pleases the court, does this look like a court to you? I'm like, "Yes, that's this is how this works. This is a court." <laughs> that's how you you're a judge. You know this shit. Shut up. <laughs> But yeah, so John Goodman knows who they are uh, after pretending he doesn't know what Studio 60 is. And then he pretends he, he doesn't even know what the um, network is, the right? Network like, is, which, is... <laughs> which is kind of funny if you think of it as Fox, right? Like this was set in <laughs> 1988. Somebody's yeah. like, I'm in Fox. We've got Mr. President with George C. Scott. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, what? That's a. Fox in 1988. Married with children. Fuck you. Like Fox in 1988. We haven't got the Simpsons for another year, and we haven't got the X Files for another five. We're fucked. Uh, But yeah, so then Goodman has this whole rant about like, 
I don't like you. I don't like your show. You make fun of my... And you're just like, oh, man, Sorkin loved writing this for him. He just... Lo- you, there's some... There's a handful of things in here where Sorkin... It's like peak bad Sorkin. Like, and all of it just ages terribly. And John Goodman, God bless him, he is like... He is biting into this ham with both... With all of his teeth, but he just... He can't do it. He can't do it. Well, one of my morning revelations was and we'll get to the when I was like wait where, where did I see that racist fucking scene I'm like oh my god it was on Studio 60 the other day it wasn't even John Goodman um this age is really bad for John Goodman considering he didn't um he didn't have any you know anything to say about Roseanne what it, Roseanne relaunch yeah like, it wasn't like it wasn't like the, they fired her because he was gonna quit no he kept his mouth shut like yeah, he did. Um, is that still going? Are they still going? Oh, yeah. The Connors, season three, baby. Oof. <laughs> so, yeah. Which I imagine they've got any... Yeah, we can't We can't imagine. Uh, I, I, I've never watched a second of Roseanne, and I probably never will. Um, I know that I a lot of... I can't imagine going back to the original series now. It, like, it, it's just... Yeah. It, it Honestly, it's like... Um, the Cosby show where people to- used to tell me like it was an important and meaningful thing back when it first came out, but I missed the window and I can't go do it now. Yeah. yeah let- <laughs> it was meaningful, but now it means something else. Yeah. Do you want me to give you a list of movies ruined by the existence of Mel Gibson? Cause it's really long. It's a pretty solid. It's like- a solid sized list. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's most of Hollywood in the nineties. Oh, uh- uh, so yeah, and then we find out that it's going to be in a sketch mocking standards and practices. Tom is not just a shepherd, he's Jesus. And there's a joke about standards and practices, but what's it going to be? We don't know because we zoom back in time to Matt and Harriet fighting about the fact that Harriet is a piece of shit. She's a piece of oh shit in this God. episode. And like, you look at Sarah Paulson doing this, and this hasn't aged well, I imagine, for her either. But you, she can't even come up with it. Like, Sarah Paulson's worked some fucking miracles with this part. But her part now is, I don't support... What is it? She gets asked about gay she says, uh, says the, She says, the Bible says it's a sin, but it also says, judge not, least, lest ye be judged. Which is, like, almost worse than just saying... Yeah, it's it's the it's, Bible says it's a sin. It, like the, it's like the episode almost like the episode kind of completely flubs this by about ten minutes into the episode, but it almost has a point when it says like that's just that's just cowardly. Like you were still saying you don't agree with it, but you're trying to wriggle out of saying that. Fuck you, just say you hate me. Yeah, yeah. It, it like it's there are characters who definitely like express that like we'll get to them but they are clearly like they are intended to be in the wrong and uh, matt is kind of there but matt is also kind of intended like you're not really you're kind of supposed to think matt's an asshole for right like not letting it go yeah yeah and it's like no, but this is terrible. Like you're yeah, like he's he's right. It's 
it's, it's horrid. It's it's a it's a a coward's way of saying yes, I condemn it, but also I work in Hollywood and I'd like to continue. Yeah, it's just and uh, so this 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 so sub- that's its whole fucking you know quagmire of shittiness from Sorkin, but yeah, it's just the beginning. Yeah, this this subplot like we're not i'm not going to go into it because we're not there quite yet um but uh the the way the episode like twists itself in knots to make harriet the victim there i i was completely flabbergasted have i told the anecdote about how i we tried rewatching mad about you but then there's an episode where um helen hunt's busy at work so she doesn't want to listen to Paul Reiser whine. And so he, he like kicks her out and gets all of their friends together to support him about how she doesn't want to listen to whine and Yike. she's the bad guy. And Yike. it's like episode six. And that's when I was like, eh, I don't watch any more of this for a while or ever. And it's like, yeah, it's this level of just like, wow, this just, this is really fucking weird how badly this ages. Like, because even in 2007, you're just like, how the fuck did they, how did he think this was all right? And I mean, we're going to get into, it's kind of shitty in this episode too. Not like, Amanda Pete's not shitty, but the way they treat Jordan in this episode is really fucked up. Like, so, they, they sort of been, I'm getting ahead of myself. We, we are getting ahead of ourselves. Although I will say that the episode almost has a salient point at one point about about the way Jordan is, but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is... Yeah, so... I did think it was interesting, the idea that Matt reads a daily press packet about all the shit that the cast has gotten into. I was just like, really, does he? Like, that's so responsible for him, considering they, they you know, portray him as this adolescent. Yeah, um, it feels like that, that should be a thing that Danny's doing, but there's also, like, uh, kind of a blurred line between where Matt ends and Danny begins, so sure, why not? So so Matt and Danny is the best, um, is the best realized relationship in the show, in my opinion, um, and I that's partially, that. that's <laughs> partially because they are... The like I know that every single character in every single Sorkin thing is Aaron Sorkin, but uh, they are the most Sorkin. Like they are essentially just here is Aaron Sorkin A and Aaron Sorkin B. So of course he relates well to himself. Yeah, these, yeah. Are, these are the two wolves that are inside <laughs> of Sorkin. One of, one of them is an immature asshole, and the other is a slightly more mature asshole. <laughs> Um, uh, so yeah, they before. Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, they before that we have to. You're skipping over the Chinese business. Oh yeah, tour. I, I the, the proper introduction to. Um, I can't even. I don't even remember the, their names. Uh, the, the daughter's name is Kim. Everybody else. Is, yeah. Um, Ed Asner's giving them a tour because he wants to get them to go into business with him instead of AOL Time Warner. Yeah, they're it's the the head of some sort of Chinese media conglomerate. 
and and they need him so that they can expand into China. Yeah, they, 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 this, this subplot gets a ton of play in this episode, and it's, it sounds exactly like Vincent Adult Man. Just like, and then the business, business, business. Like, I don't care. What is this doing here? Basically, it's just to give Stephen Webb, like, key resentment. Uh, that he can build on through the episode so he can explode at various points. I mean, like, I, I think that Stephen Weber is the MVP of this episode. That's not a oh high yeah. that's not a high bar to clear, frankly. No no, we'll get to it later, but yeah. Uh it, just it like, is it, definitely weird that like this whole thing with uh like the merger is one of the like most like well-established like things in the series so far like it's it's actually been like it's actually been in previous episodes and it basically all seems in service of like just getting us to this joke about uh everybody being in in Pahrump, nevada which is like like that's, oh, that's a terrifying thought. Like that's that's what you did with this. You you put all your effort into establishing one plot line, and it's just, haha, Pahrump, Nevada. It's it's a build into a to the punchline of her being at the police station. Yeah, because the daughter wants to meet Tom. Um, is the long like, and they think that's gonna mean what clinches the deal is the long and short of that subplot. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because, because fathers of daughters, he says, uh, a line that shows up in everything Aaron Sorkin's ever written, and is now, you know, you just, yet? Uh... I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, that's a good question. I'm gonna look that up right now. I'm really terrified for like Aaron Sorkin's Me Too movie, where he's like, I didn't realize until I had a daughter. Oh fuck I mean, me. Okay, he has a daughter. She was born in 2000, so she's seven at this point. Ooh, ooh. I'm sure she loved watching this when he watched all TV shows when she was a tween. Uh, um, also, like, he, there's a lot of, like, ooh, fathers of daughters stuff in West Wing, and that was pre 2000. Well, yeah. So, the, the Sorkin years are mostly pre 2000. I mean, or about that. I don't know. They're about that time. I mean, what do you think the odds are that uh, that um, Aaron Sorkin just sort of has a has a projection room where he's just playing his TV shows on a loop, like Kanye West does with Blade Runner? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that's that, that's definitely a thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just you know maybe there's like an Echo show and that just loops them. Like, um, so we should also mention whenever we come up with this extremely long, windy subplot, this is supposedly the story that Tom is telling the judge, and I and every so often they like <laughs> oh, every so often every so often they cut back to like the judge interrogating, and he'll say something like, "Was this sketch mocking churchgoers?" And I feel like any lawyer worth his salt would be like, "Objection, relevance." 
<laughs> you're like, Tom, shut up. Tom, what are you doing? Also, Why are you telling them about this private conversation between Matt and Harriet? I mean, what are you we'll, doing, we'll, Tom? Yeah. We'll, we'll get there at the end, but also, like, I have a note in here where he's like, where the lawyer is like, I would like to speak on behalf of my client. And the judge is like, no, he's going to speak for himself. I'm like, oh, so you're just getting kicked off the bench. Like, like hardcore illegal right there. It's not how they do it in Nevada, all right? Like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> look, yes. the judge is on his day off. He had to cancel his fishing trip to, to come in to deal with it. Uh, okay, so this is a... I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but something I really wish they had done more with is the fact that this judge is here because uh, Jack has, like donated a ton to the election campaigns of the the governor of nevada i like it's just a throwaway thing like of course that's how he would get the judge there that he like has influence with the governor but it's like it's so astonishingly corrupt and just like just like a throwaway thing that's like oh yeah well that's that's just how it's done also these are our heroes. <laughs> also, I, I do want to note, like, the they they treat this town like it's some complete backwater a million miles from everywhere, but they also mention kind of offhand that it's 60 miles from Las Vegas. And I'm sorry, you don't get to be an hour away from one of the biggest and most wealthy cities in the country and call yourself, like, this weirdo backwater. You're not Twin Peaks here. Yeah, there are 37,000, population 37,000. But yeah, all we see of Pahrump is the police station. Like, none of the rest of it exists. Just make up a town. Just make up a town. It's fine. Or if you want to have it be someplace completely middle of nowhere, Nevada does have those. We're, we're getting... Well, it's going to figure into stuff in the second episode. Oh, you're, but, oh, you're right, um, yeah. We're, we're jumping, we're skipping through the Matt and Danny scene, which actually, yeah, I mean, this was like pretty cool how Danny helps Matt come up with a skit. Um, that that does feel dialogue. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was at the end of it, I was just like, wait a second, that was kind of, was that good? Was that actually I, like. That was I like. Have, I have in my notes, the scene would have actually worked really well if it was in service of a joke. <laughs> yeah, like. So the, the, the long and short of that scene, and I agree that like that does feel like a very like lived in relationship moment. Um but like the the long and short of that scene is that like Matt is really annoyed gets really annoyed that standards and practice is like you you better make sure this person is saying G's instead of Jesus and you know. Um I, I don't so think it that's turns in, it turns into the idea the skit is going to be Jesus is the new head of network standards and practices. Now, when I heard that at the beginning, I'm like, does that mean standards and practices guy is coming back um, into the episode? Because remember, there was like a standards and practices guy in the pilot who never came back. And no, he doesn't. He doesn't come back. Yeah. I mean, we but, never. Um, we, I mean, it turns out that Danny hasn't actually talked to standards and practices, and he was just like trying to. Mess. He's just trying to piss off Matt so that he would make it. Yeah. He would start writing again. I, I feel Which, like if Danny was this really smart, good. I was just like, I feel like you know, he maybe wouldn't have gotten caught with the blow. Like, because mm-hmm. that's some of the problem. 
uh, let's we're skipping over Mexican Santa Claus, which oh, is no. just but, a throwaway line, and they know that they've got a white guy playing Mexican Santa Claus. Not okay, but they're doing it anyway. I mean, they like, don't. They don't have a single. It's deranged Mexican Santa Claus. Oh yes, they don't have a single not like they have one black dude, and the entire rest of the cast is white. So, uh, no, I, they also have an Asian woman. They do, yeah. Oh, she, I know. Uh, you, you forgot got, because you forgot. She they doesn't have, have a line this episode. She's yeah, just there. She's never had a. a maybe she's got. She's had a, a line. Dozen, I mean, maybe yeah. she has half a dozen lines in the whole show. Again, if you were making a criticism of. SNL, the fact that SNL is whiter than Seinfeld consistently would be a pretty solid one to make, especially at this point in history, when God... Oh yeah, they they hadn't hit their two, two black actors yet, had they? No, they hadn't. I mean, now they've got Leslie Jones and um, oh god, what is his name? Keenan or Cal, uh, right? Yeah, Keenan, yeah, he's funny. Yeah. But the... You know, the point is that, like, SNL's a pretty white show. That's something. So, we're we're right in front of the scene. I just saw my notes. Um, oh, yeah, we're going into... So, the, the, the Jesus is head of standards and practices. Like, I don't want to go too much into this in this episode. I feel like it comes back in the next episode. But... Like I, I do want to give the show this episode credit for noticing that this ep- this sketch looks really unfunny. Like even by the standards of Studio Sixty, I'm like, where are the jokes? Yeah, it's it's real bad. Uh, and they have um, the new writer. No, you're skipping ahead. You're skipping oh, ahead. Skipping we'll, ahead. We'll get there. We'll get there. So we. You're skipping ahead to Danny being racist. No, you got to. You got to back up to the whole show's incredible, uh, incredible villains. Uh, okay. Oh, that's right. So oh, these this fucking scene. They are they are at a diner, doing a table read. The celebrity cast is at a shithole diner, doing a table read as they do. Sure. Why not? Whatever. Then, Shut up. It's time for the the big three to leave. So Harriet and uh, Tom go outside where she is confronted by uh, a trio of gay thugs who are upset about her, um, her interview. And Tom has to uh, intercede in a very manly way. Uh, and I mean, I think the the best part about it is is when uh, you overhear the guy call him a twerp or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, Tom comes in. He's like, "What are you gonna do, twerp?" <laughs> and so then Simon sees it going on, runs out, um, and I don't. Yeah. Um, it's Simon just, calls it's for the, the car and gets them out did, of there. Did he call for the car or did he get the car? So they have a driver too? I think they have a... Because the car shows up too fast for him to have gotten a car. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Plus they're all three so, of yeah, them so there. Basically, uh, these three gay guys are upset that um, they were... We didn't talk about this. Uh... 
Matt points out earlier that a portion of Harriet's fan base is, is gay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is it really? Like, maybe on the sitcom, maybe on Studio City, but like, they're not buying her Christian spiritual CD. No. Except they are, so they can stomp it after she autographs it. Which, you know, is fine. Like, it's not as, you know, people buy iPhones to trash them as a thing. Like, this is just, you know, this is, yeah, like, fuck her. She's terrible. Like, I, I feel like in real life, like him stomping on the CD is where that would have ended, and that and you know that could have been fine, but they need the plot point of Tom knocking this guy over, so they have to make them like starting to get physically aggressive. And yeah, well, and, and also... like yeah, Harriet like instead of just being like okay, I'm sorry, and walking away, she then has to like try and explain to this guy why he's wrong to be upset. Yes, uh, which is you know just always a, a great move and 100% success rate at explaining to people why they shouldn't be, why they're not allowed to be upset because it's oh, not actually it time. you know this isn't actually a plot about Harriet realizing that like her churchiness is enabling a lot of bigotry it's that she's a victim <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's about how the, yeah these, the she's these being gay bigot, thugs bigot are... are actually the they're the real the real bigots are the the homosexuals because they're not yeah. accepting of the people who hate them. And I yes. I don't I don't want to read like too much into stuff right here, but Sarah Paulson looks so uncomfortable this whole episode. Oh, the whole episode, it's just you feel so bad. You just want to give her a hug. Like it's just it's just bad. And yeah, even if it weren't, even if she did not, she is one of the highest profile. Um, lesbian actresses, right? Like, yeah, it's like you would have to say it's, it's like her, her and Case Do, and yeah. like maybe uh, what's your name from SNL on the outside? Um, mm, yeah. her name just her name just dropped from my brain, so that's probably not a good sign. Oh yeah, yeah, what's her face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly who you're talking. About. Yeah, she's hilarious, but yeah, <laughs> so not a great sign. But yeah, so even when you take that out like she is clearly trying to humanize uh an inhuman character here and it's just it's so awkward and painful she wasn't and i i think we established earlier that like she wasn't out at this point was she no no not at all so but i mean just even if she was playing it as a presumably not fundamentalist christian bigot this would be a very awkward scene to play because yeah, the, where she's like, no, let's just talk about it. Let me explain my position to you that uh, you're going to hell and I'm not. Like, yeah, you're just I, look, actually, I I said you're going to hell, but I'm okay that you're going to hell. Yeah, it's, it's fine. fine. It's fine I, that you're going to hell. I don't want to legi- cause there to be legislation to stop you from going to hell. I'm just going to tell you that you're going to hell. And support that legislation. <laughs> okay, so then, yeah, we're yeah. Then and we. This scene probably only lasts like ninety seconds, but it's so every second of it gets worse. So it's just painful the whole time. It, it's just but a cloud over the whole episode. Yeah. Tom is... shoves a guy over a shrub, and yeah. they run away. <laughs> they jump in the car and run away. Yeah. 
And, you know, I did that once when I was, like, 13. So, I mean, like, I'm down. It wasn't a gay guy, like, obviously, because... It wasn't one of the the famous uh, Hollywood gangs of gay thugs. Yeah, I, I, That's a problem, okay? Like, I think... Weren't they in Seinfeld at one point? There, there, we, I mentioned this on Twitter. Like, there was... Uh, our, on our discussion about it, like, there was a running... A pair of characters who... In, on Seinfeld. Seinfeld being, like... This is, like, ten years before this episode. Um, who were a pair of gay guys who were kind of, like, aggressive. And I, I think they beat up Kramer at one point. Yeah, and I feel like even part of that, the joke was... We're being awful here. This isn't real. I mean, so... And that was ten years earlier. So, and it was Seinfeld. Yeah, it's Seinfeld is... Like, I, I have in my notes that the scene is just incredibly mean. And um, the part of the problem, I think, is that Seinfeld is an incredibly mean show. So it can get away with that tone a lot better. But also, the joke is, isn't that, like these gay guys are bad people the joke is oh like they're like jerry or kramer or whoever is gonna like step up to these guys and then just get completely like intimidated out of fighting by just them just being who they are and that's it that's the joke like they they, they steal an armoire from elaine at one point and the joke is that kramer is too scared of them to stop them that's it that's the joke and i feel like i feel like you can make that joke work and I know that I'm defending one of my favorite shows here, but it's also just like, what is it doing here in a more serious show? And about very, and like about serious things. Like, this is not, this is, Sorkin, this, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Sorkin at his best when talking about okay so the asterisk to that is at his best in the specific situation of when he's talking about um difficult to talk about well i mean some of it is he's it's not difficult to talk about like that's the real problem here is this is not about uh it's bad to be a bigot it's about it's bad to be a bigot against Christian bigots. Mm -hmm. So there's like this layer to it. But Sorkin, okay. Sorkin takes some big swings sometimes. And I don't know why I'm even saying this because I have no examples. This show has trashed all of that. But like he'll take a big swing on something and you know, he might not hit a home run, but like at least he made the swing, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's so, usually I mean, like, my you opinion. Could, you could say that about this scene, and that makes it because it's such a fail. But you can. This is like, why the fuck didn't somebody tell you not to do this? Well, I mean, at this point, this is just like pure, unadulterated Sorkin. Like, he's. He has. He has like the biggest successes of his career under his belt, and he's you know just pretty much free to do whatever he wants. That's uh, a good point. Okay, there's me... no one who can tell him to stop. Uh, here, this is a scene that not even Danny Boyle could make. Okay, let's just put it like that. Like there you go, my <laughs> most aspirational Sorkin uh, 
you know, Steve Jobs, that's the one I'll go with. And yeah, Danny Boyle couldn't do shit with this. He would have just, you know, quit. I mean, a good a good collaborator with Sorkin is going to be someone like Danny Boyle or like David Fincher who is going to tell him no bad. He's going to smack him with a rolled up newspaper and go, no. Yeah. Bad. Go back to TV, you know? Like, you know who I am? Yeah. So, we're... We're, we're yeah, completely actually, off. We've completely gone off the rails yeah, here. Where, um, where is it? Okay, so here we, we go uh, to this next table read at the studio the next day, which is significant because um, Lucy Davis and Columbus Short are the only two writers who are watching it. And that's going to be important because they're the only two writers who matter because they're not smelly white dudes. Um, so they're doing the table read hey. again. The only two writers who are going to be, well, that's that's I'm getting way ahead of us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah, we get. There are other reasons they're the only two. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, we we get a table, we get it, we do get a table read of the sketch here, which is really not funny, but at least like this is where they start to have the thread of like a couple of characters. I think Darius says it here, like yeah. it's not working. Well, even even in the last scene. Uh, when they're doing the table read in the middle of the diner for some reason. Uh, Harriet is like, wow, he's really just fucking going for it, huh? <laughs> like, like it, it's clear that she doesn't think it's funny. Or even she says that she thinks it's funny, but it's like, I don't know. It, they're, they're starting to, they're like hinting at that it's not actually good. And the, the other important movement right here, plot-wise, is... Um... They that Simon is whinging about how not Simon Tom is whinging about how cold he is in his shepherd's outfit, and Simon yeah, gives him his jacket. He is really whinging about this. It's like he, it's oh, yeah, like he's... someone that like told him like, okay, your secret objective for the scene is to get Simon to give you his coat, <laughs> and then he's just like, hey. It's cold. I sure wish someone would give me a coat. It's just like, Jesus Christ. I want to know what Mark McKinney's story idea actually was on this. Because, yeah, I mean, what's his name? Nate Cordry? Is that his name? That is the name of the actor, yeah. Um, yes. I remember after this was done, I was like, why the hell isn't he that guy? White guys. I like Sorkin's white guys. Him, John Gallagher Jr., you know, like the supporting white guy. Um, and then now watching it again, I'm like, first, Bradley Whitford does not, you know, age well as a character or actor. Um, you know, he would have he would have voted for Obama three times if he could. And He's, then he aged I'm like, really well as that character. <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs> but um, and then Nate Cordry watching it again, I'm like, I know why. Like the fucking like regular series work. Like, look at all this shit he had. Like, he's whinier than episode four Luke Skywalker. Like, and he's like cloying and uh, what? So yeah, but the, the point is, he gets Simon's jacket, which we now know has a joint in it because of Simon confessing to it to everyone in the police station in the. Um, present action um which is yet another moment where the lawyer should be just like strangling him with his bare hands 
And yeah. you know, if he was a good lawyer, he never would have let Simon into the building. Yeah, there's, but Simon's got to go because you know Tom's got his jacket and he's responsible. And they know, and we've already established this and missed it, that having a joint in Nevada is like a felony at this point or something. It, there's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Possession is a misdemeanor. Um. Use is a felony Use because is a felony. because uh, America's drug laws make no goddamn sense. Which flashes me back to high school. Stoners used to sit around and be like, "Dude, we could just like be in front of the police station and be stoned, and that's not against the law." And I'm just, <laughs> which is just a very vivid memory from math. I feel. I, did, did Nevada just legalize weed this last election? Oh, did uh, they? Because that's going to be really good for them if they did. Relatively recently, I think. I... Okay. Also, oh, also, wow. also, Sorkin. Let's just uh, let's just be honest with ourselves. If you're an actor, somewhat earlier. If you're an actor working back, working at an SNL analog, you don't have pot in your pocket. You have coke. Oh yeah, you have your. You're you're on the Aaron Sorkin drugs. You got just pockets full of whatever the hell you can get your hands on. He, he's Aaron got a Sorkin pot. hasn't smoked pot since college. He didn't inhale. Like, come on, it's Aaron Sorkin. Like, what a loser. Um. So yeah, we do a powder drug. We we do we do um, get um a quick cut to the uh, judge here where he's like complaining at them like you let them belittle the faith of millions in your sketch and i'm just like why given what it turns out he was arrested in nevada for why are you telling him any of this well he he doesn't want to he doesn't want to tell the judge when he was arrested no you're, you're skipping ahead again <laughs> i know <laughs> but yes we haven't even gotten to why tom's in nevada yet like so Hold on, I'm, I'm like lost in my fucking notes here. Right, hang on, it's we're, so we're, stupid. We we do get oh, reminded. It's it's the morning. It's the morning that Tom gets arrested. He has okay. The, he has so the table. It's all. This is all. They split up the ta the new table read with the flash forward to the judge. So yeah. So there. This is when Matt talks to Darius about whether or not it's funny, and right. Darius. It turns out Darius was hired to be Matt's black friend. Um, it's yeah. fine. You know, it's, it's a good job, I suppose. Nice work <laughs> if you can get it, I guess, yeah. He is there to literally tell Matt to not... Um, yeah, I, I saw... And so... I saw Darius here, and I just have in my notes that the Studio 60 would like you to remember that Darius exists. Yeah, we... We hired this black actor. We're going to use him, damn it. <laughs> and so it turns out... Yeah, it turn, at this point, it turns out that the gay guy is pressing charges for... The friendliest cops in the world arrive. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, this fucking Hold scene. On. Hold on. This is Eric Circuit being like, okay, so he's, you know, he's the young white man. The police should be very different. And, you know, there's also, like, this added subtext that, you know, they don't really think it's cool that, you know, the gay guy's pressing charges either. Like, yeah, one of the cops says, like, no, he doesn't want you to go to jail. He just wants to sue you. You should sue him back. And I was just sitting there, like, if this was intentionally about how cops are racist, homophobic pieces of shit, uh, 
I might be on your side here, Sorkin, but I think you're siding with the cops. Yeah, yeah it's uh, just, it's he, very weird. Like, he's, on, he's uh, spoiler alert, he's on the side of the cops. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, they take Tom, and then, okay, so they take Tom, and does Simon go after the, no, we don't know yeah. that Simon's going after the, he has, but we don't know that, because we cut to Jack and Jordan. Yeah, we do they, a little bit. They're the friendliest cops in the world, but for some reason, they it, it's too much for Tom to ask to put on real clothes uh, before he goes down to the yeah. uh, to the station. So he has to go uh, in the full costume as a or in his costume as a as Jesus, which he was wearing during the table read for some reason. Yeah, no one else was in costume. Um, and he's got Simon's coat. Don't forget the coat. And, and they cuff him in front, which um, if you ever played Police Quest in the 1980s, you know that yeah, they yeah. don't actually do. Uh, yeah, that'll, um, get you, that'll get you instantly killed in Police Quest. Yes. Like, which would have also been a great turn for this episode. Just yeah. like, let's be real. But also, Simon just pulls out a knife and stabs them both. No, 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 it would have been it would have been Tom because he's got the. Oh yeah, sorry, Tom. Yeah, just. But it could have been like... Simon's knife because you know we will get to Simon being black in just a little bit here. And um, then, uh, he just like yells at the security guard, "Quick, help me hide the bodies." They, they, I, I do have in my notes here that like when the concierge or whatever comes up to him and says, "There are some people uh, waiting out front," he's like, "Oh, let me just go change," and then the concierge just like whispers to him, obviously the cops. I'm like. So this episode is working super hard to to keep the cops nice, but also to keep Simon from changing. Yeah, Tom, to keep or Simon from changing. I'm sorry, Tom is just kind of. I don't know why that name keeps. Are you to call him Tim Jeter next? Like, yes. I don't even know every every character in this show is interchangeable. <laughs> okay, so they're all they're all Aaron Sorkin. They're all the same character. The the. I don't remember the rest of the season super great, um, but this... It gets better. It has to. This scene with um, Jordan and Jack gives me the real sinking feeling that Nations is going to be a running plot line. It isn't, right? Like, I really think it goes away after the next... Yeah. Um, Because they know it's a stinker. But yeah, it's just... It's Jack yelling at Jordan about... Uh, she's trying to figure out what kind of show nations and Jack's interrupting her to find Tom. She's to... she's trying to develop a companion piece. Yeah, the nations. companion piece. Because they they already have what nations is because it's the of course it's it's been it's emerged fully formed from from the new Aaron Sorkin character. It doesn't it doesn't who never comes Jordan back. Himself. Yeah, he's <laughs> gone forever. Gone forever. Uh, what, creator's gone forever. Okay, we're getting ahead. But so this scene is just to introduce the idea that uh Jack is looking for Tom. And so and again like I, then like Jack sort of yells at her again about how Nations is going to flop. And again, he's a jerk, but he's not wrong. I'm 100% right. uh, yeah, we're going to get into the fact that this show is Steven Weber's just a second, but we've got to get into the incredible uh, scene between Danny and Darius, where Oh, yes. Danny is uh, 
they really didn't they they're doing this straight they're doing this like get out scene straight where danny runs into the studio it's like where is everybody tells him and it's like you know danny's like you're just pitching me a skit right now why aren't you telling me the truth and it's why is he so why is danny so mean to everyone but matt and jordan and Timothy Busfield when he's on. Like, he's he's like, you stupid woman, tell me the truth. Like, he always throws just this little thing in there where you're like, why is he telling it this person like that? And that scene with Darius. Because he's an asshole. That's, that's all there is to it. It's also... You've got, you have, you gotta think, the microaggression subtext is it. It's it's an incredibly like I get there, what and it's just they miss it. So so much of the of this is just recapping what happened in well, the episode. Well, there's that too. There's that too. This is totally just to throw in there to establish that Annie's going to be hostile to him. Like that's a very weird scene. And also, does that mean that he doesn't it get didn't... the joke and get out? Do, do we think Bradley Whitford maybe didn't oh. get the joke? Oh, he's, he's Bradley Whitford 100% didn't get that. He joke. he is on the record of saying like he didn't get the joke that about like I would have voted for Obama three times. Like he like I don't recall who said it if it was him or one of the other actors, but basically like they someone said like yeah he didn't get that line was a joke. Yeah, I don't know this uh, this scene did. Didn't, he didn't read it to me. I think uh, I'm overly sympathetic. Like, they introed him in the pre- previously on, and this is what they used. He had to tell Matt that he's not actually, you know, one to be Magic Black friend, and then second one to be, you know, weird Danny, you know, being dismissive of him. See? Yeah, and what's weird like, is... What's, no, I don't believe you. Where's somebody who I can believe? What's super weird about this scene is, like, I get the joke that they're aiming at, which is, haha, we are going to make a joke about how absurd our plot line for this episode is. But you, you right. got, you yeah. got to put that in a like. What's the name? The dude from the Big Bang Theory who hasn't had any lines so far in the show. Um, have him do that bit, and that suddenly it's funnier. Because then you don't have to watch poor Darius suffer a microaggression. Yeah. It, but then they also they, they really want to like just have their cake and eat it with a like, boy, this sounds like it's a funny joke for a sitcom episode, and like, yeah, this is this is act this actually is uh, a premise for a sitcom episode. So uh, so I've been the more you pointed out the less funny it gets actually. So so. <laughs> Stop. So on my X-Files reviews, I've gotten to the point in season eight where I'm sort of including the Lone Gunman spinoff alongside the X-Files. And one of the things that's very clear in the first, like, three episodes is they're like, well, we kind of want to be serious, but all of our characters are geared for comedy. And then, like, four or five episodes in, they start to just make it more overtly comedic. And I feel like if Studio 60 was willing to do that, it might have, like, worked but on the other yeah, hand, if it had, if it had uh, gone more Thirty Rock and been like this, this is a comedy about these people, 
not people like not comedy about the comedy they make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so gonna... Simon comes in and he tell and Danny believes Simon. Um and then we find out why Tom is in Nevada finally. He's there because he's being extradited on a speeding ticket. Which is a thing. Which, incidentally, by the way, Tom's Tom and Tom's lawyer means that all the story you told about how you got arrested in um, L.A. None of that is relevant to the judge in Nevada. You shouldn't Not have told. You shouldn't have told him any of it. Don't tell him anything. Shouldn't they have just the cop should have just given John Goodman the paperwork, and John Goodman would have been like, "Why the fuck were you? You know, you skipped your court date, you shitty Hollywood liberal," and that could have been the episode. Um, but then we get to, okay, so Danny and Simon are panicking and they're going to go and save Tom, but they don't want to tell Jordan because, you know, she's the mean boss. Right. We can't, so, let, we can't let mom know we fucked up. What's, right, what's, what's, it, what's, it, it uh, really fuck up. The, it's, it's not any of their faults. The right, other we important... can't even let mom know that there's a problem. Basically, the, the, other, the other important detail here um, that the show goes establishes like three times in a row is that it's Nevada Day, which is a oh. federal, which is a state holiday in Nevada. So there won't they won't be able to have him see a judge until Monday. So if they don't spring him, he won't make the show. And and, and it's at this point where they do the they really just a hundred percent do the. Uh, the Garth Marenghi scene where Jordan is just like, here's some facts I know about Nevada Day. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, that, yeah. And like, she's just talking to herself at one point. It's very weird. Um, So they have to call Jack, right? They do. That's why they have to tell Jordan. No, Danny has to tell Jordan. Jordan, at this point, Jordan knows that she needs uh, she needs Tom because Kim wants yes. to Tom, yes. mm-hmm. and so Jordan then has to call Jack to tell Jack that. Uh, but Danny Tom wasn't gonna. Nevada. Danny wasn't gonna tell Jordan if she was just there to tell Danny to cut the sketch, but make it seem like Jack, um. Like fight Jack, but for fight it. fight Jack yeah. about cutting the Jesus standards and practices. It's a very kind of packed episode, but it's all shit. Like it's a big bowl of shitty candy, basically. I, I will say, uh, I I do have in my notes that when like Jack gets the phone call about where Tom is, and Jordan's like, "Act normal," because the Chinese people are in the yes. room. Him oh, dead panic. Uh huh. It's the best. It's the best laugh I got. Laugh I got in the episode. That's, it's so good because he drops it immediately too. He does one line where he's like, "Okay, I'm doing this normally," and then he's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> And it's just like it's the Stephen Weber show. Yeah, it's like, it's so good. <laughs> you know, like and then that's... it just keeps cutting back to him, like like turning around and looking at the other guys in the room and like waving at them, like, "Hey, everything's normal." <laughs> you know, I never appreciated Stephen Weber on Wings enough, and so like I Is gotta Wings... watch it again. Is Wings worth and... watching? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I loved it as a kid and like teenager i think it's 
probably like more think more accessible Frasier and so I think it actually does really well till it's like and what's his face Thomas Hayden Church is it's like Kramer levels of fun. I do love Thomas like, Hayden Church. Uh, yeah, like he's he's fucking hilarious. And um, but I never appreciated Stephen Weber at that point. And I feel like going back, you really would because his timing in this is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then yeah, so the daughter he's. He gets off, Jack gets off the phone and is like, okay, uh, you can't meet Tom, but he's going to call you in your dorm. And she's like, no, I'm going to tell my billionaire Chinese dad that we're going to stop on the way to Nevada. And also there's that weird thing about how the, uh, the, they make a big deal about how the dad won't fly, he won't travel the other way. Yeah. On one direction. And it's going to cost them more money in gas, which actually doesn't come up in the exposition. You'd only know if you knew how expensive airline fuel was and, you know, what a limited fucking reason. Anyway, um, it, but it's, it's like this weird thing where they get to be kind of cynophobic again. Uh, you know, like it's, it's just, such a you know, weird there. It's such a weird yeah. and irrelevant beat because like yeah. they, they say that like he's going to New York on business and then he's going to keep going to China and then Stephen Weber points out, um, it would be faster if you just go, even from New York, it would be faster if you just go back the other way. And then that's when he drops that he well, only flies one way. Let, let's, we'll, we'll talk about Stephen Weber gets to be a little racist this episode. Oh, we will. But, but like, the, my point, my point was just that, like, the, the only point part of that that's important is that, like, they get to go to Nevada because right, it's on their because it's on their way out to New York. So why do you need the rest of that? Just drop it. It's fine. Well, yeah. the other thing we'll get into the fact that at least based on this episode, there's no fucking point for the daughter to exist. Like when she, she finally meets Tom, it sucks. Like, this the daughter subplot is such a weird subplot. I think at some point this was like I I do would like to see what the original story pitch was because I feel like this had to have been a bigger part of it, but as it is, it just feels like stakes raising in an episode that has already got too many overblown stakes. Well, but without the daughter, there isn't like there 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 aren't any stakes. Like the stakes are uh, that they need. They need Tom to impress her so that uh, they the, the dad will like her because the dad will like them, and yeah. that's like the, the, the it, sta- it's just also tortured. The stakes of the episode are Tom needs to get back to L.A. in time for the show. That's all. That's yeah. all you need. That's all you need. I don't need this shit. That's you- all somebody needs. Like. That's not what Aaron Sorkin my, my point is that, like, if you cut this stuff and you cut down on retreading what has happened in the episode, you could probably get both parts of this into one episode. Oh, yeah, oh, almost. Yeah. Yo, I, I'd say you could get this into half an episode. In another episode. Like, you could 100% fit this in a single episode if you just got rid of the retreading. <laughs> so, yeah, um... 
there's a really weird beat that I think is intended to be funnier than it is, where the only reason the cops find the pot is because he starts oh, pet- right. he starts petting this random dog that's hanging around the police station that turns out to be a drug sniffing <laughs> yeah, dog. a basset hound guy. Yeah, it was... That was, you know, that's one of the reasons I liked Nate Cordry. Like, it's, that's a, you know, it's a cute scene. Like, it's silly and, you know, you can buy it. Like, I don't know if you can buy it for... A, what a David Spade analog, but you can buy it. It's like, a, it is an A plus dog. I'll give the show that. Um, what else? What else? Oh, there was a we we we. So everybody's flying to Pahrump now, and there's a weird scene with Matt and George because you realize that Aaron Sorkin can't figure out how to write the two of them together yet or something Mm -hmm. and matt's got to go work on a replacement show in the next six hours if tom can't come back um so there are those stakes getting introduced i don't know if we're actually halfway through the episode oh we're well over we're like in the last 10 minutes yeah we're well over yeah okay that means half my notes for the episode so that's so great. so there there's this really incredibly strange bit where like Simon pitches a sketch or, or like pitches a bit for the news desk about oh, how yes. like okay, so we're on the plane you gotta set you gotta set scene. We, we are all on, on the plane yes plane yes and he pitches it to Danny who's sitting with Jack has Jack have Jack and Danny fought though no, no they're about to do that okay yeah but Jack is drunk. And this is one of the things that they don't, um, they introduced, I think in the second episode or something, maybe the third, when his wife is like giving him the look when he's like drinking a bottle of gin at the recording of the episode. Um, but Jack is now drinking. And so we're about to see the angry Steven Weber and the way he expresses this anger, someone, someone else can do it because yeah, the, I'll tell my anecdote about remembering. Yeah, the whole bit is like Simon pitches a joke for like the news desk about how Delta is gonna replace all their airline pilots with Malaysian children. Which, uh, all right, that's a joke. That's a joke. I'll I'll give you that. That's something. Um, and Stephen Weber gets offended on behalf of corporate America and makes a like watermelon joke at Simon. I was like, oh, oh holy oh, fuck. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, oh, it's amazing. It's, it, it's just like out of nowhere. And then, and then even, even where it will, even worse, question mark, Simon's response is, uh, yeah, okay. Like his response is like, well, oh, hang on. I have it. Oh no, he, he talks it's, about, uh, um, yeah, the, the the problem, or it's like, well, like black people have been the the subject of unfair stereotypes for de- for centuries, uh, and corporations that haven't. And it's like, is that is that what you think that that racism is? Is that what you think the problem with that racism is one hundred percent? It is one hundred percent stereotypes. Yes. yes, he does. Two thousand seven, he one hundred percent does. Aaron Sorkin probably does not believe in institutional i'm gonna go that far i don't think he today i don't think he believes in it. i still haven't seen i gotta see the trial of the chicago seven i believe I that he thinks there's a problem with treating corporations as people now but i don't know where he's at i, I... oh aaron sorkin yeah. welcome to the resistance 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't I, I think Aaron Sorkin's like, eh, this is just like that's a little far. Yeah. That, sure about that. Yeah. That whole segment made me want to pull my teeth out. Like it was it is so uncomfortable. And I don't I don't usually like the word cringe. I I find it to be Cringy? Like I don't like the way it's cringy. Uh, yeah, I find it to be well, for lack of a better term, cringy. Uh, this episode made me physically cringe in a way that the entire me, yeah the like, yeah. I mean, it's just the entire time. There's something wrong in a very obvious and yeah, it's a very it's a very visceral uh, uncomfortableness in this episode. And it, it actually makes me think. Um, like, total quick tangent. Uh, we rewatched the Scarlet Witch Vision movies for the show, mm-hmm. uh, and they go over like a you know six or period, and so you get to see the changes and be over that time, and it gets you thinking about how like 2007 to 2011 was a real transition period, uh, getting rid of some of this crap right mm-hmm. like so like studio 60 actually was helping push you know this shit through even though uh, even though it was totally unaware of it because like <clears throat> the newsroom didn't have this shit because like HBO wasn't going to do that whereas 3 years earlier NBC was like this is great NBC was i also say like i i feel like at this point in NBC's history <laughs> at that point not like not like today NBC right. was in a really bad position and so they didn't like and so given that Aaron Sorkin was a proven hitmaker they didn't have the strength to argue with him um whereas if HBO known, yeah ahead. whereas HBO definitely is going to go like no stop unless you're the game of thrones guys apparently well, and HBO also, I mean, you know, whether Aaron Sorkin learned any lessons, see, the world did. And mm-hmm. so they were able to, you know, Oops. keep some of this shit out of it. Though I'm sure there's a lot of problems in the newsroom. I, I actually, um, in terms of, like, things shifting, I just watched, uh, like, last night or the night before, I watched Jenny Nicholson's video on... Uh, the Vampire Diaries, and I've never seen The Vampire Diaries, and I realized watching her video that I've been confusing it a lot with True Blood. Um, <laughs> but apparently, one season of the villains are just Romani. Just yeah. Romani. It was like, whoa, no, don't do that. Let me tell you a story about writer Peter David. <laughs> oh, don't. Oh, no. He was at a comic con once. Some girl, I'm Romani, and I think problematic. And he's like, "You are terrible people." And everybody's like, "Peter David, calm down." He's like, "They are terrible people." <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of the story. Like he never stopped. Like I think two years later, he's like, "Maybe all the ones I knew were just terrible." And yeah, like I mean, he was already on his way out at that point. But yeah, that was like his. His hill was that, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, but, so, so what's super frustrating about the scene in the plane and um, Jack 
making Simon go through, like, our, what is it, third or fourth microaggression in this episode? I think it's oh. fair to call this one a macroaggression. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, oh, that's fair. Is, that's just, yeah, no, he's just being, yeah. He's that's just, just an aggression, being, yeah. Um, is, uh, is they do, they do the bit where, like, Jack tells um, Danny, you gotta cut the sketch, and Danny, who is distracted, is like, yeah, fine, I don't care. I don't think it's a good sketch anyway. And he realized, and he sort of, like, lets it drop that he was told by Jordan to, like, fight him to give him a win. Yeah. He doesn't so much accidentally let it drop as just straight up give that decision away with no (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I don't know what the deal with that was. I feel like we needed another beat where he decided to do that. Um, Yeah, and then there's another thing. We're in the last ten we're we're circling the end we're circling Part the end credits one here. Four, yeah. But like um, the scene where Jack tells him like she's gonna get fired because Hollywood isn't actually run by liberals, it's run by corporations, that is a salient point. Oh yeah. And that was like that's like this great Weber moment. So it's like yeah, you you've got this awkward moment where not only do we find out well, I mean, it's a very post-Obama racism is not racism anymore kind of comment <laughs> to Simon because, you know, they're, they're both just men, right? They're just people. Um, but then we get Jack at his likable ever, like, not most sympathetic in a way where, like, he's aware that he is in this terrible industry and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, there's only so much he can do because, you know, he's still got to make it out on top. And so that was just this really nice moment for Weber as an actor and for the character and all sorts of things. Doesn't belong in here at all. But we cut away from that for a second. Where the hell was that? It was like right at the end of that scene where we cut back to um, Matt yeah, and but, Harriet. Oh, no, we cut, we cut to, yeah, we, that's the second cut. That We cut back to to Tom in the police station given the dog hang dog eyes and then we cut to uh, Danny saying hey what do you mean Jordan's not going to make it immediately after that was introduced it does not get we don't have time for it to you know germinate at all just right back to it and I was just like why the fuck didn't you throw this in on the way to the airport, like as a throwaway, you could have done your fucking throwaway there. Like that would have been fine, and it would have, you know, given it some weight. But no, I mean, uh, we given given that more. we know how expensive uh, the Studio Sixty was running, it's entirely possible that they were like, okay, we've shot a good chunk of this episode on our airplane set. Can we have a car set? No. <laughs> good point. Good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Do you know how much your fucking studio cost? No, you can't have. A- we gave you this fucking studio set, and you're not even using. Or, you're, <laughs> okay, that's that's the TV show I want. I want the TV show about the NBC junior suffering junior executive who had to work on this with Aaron Sorkin. Is there is there like a the final cut or disaster artist style book about Studio Sixty? Because I would no. read the shit out of that. No. Someone, we're so- the only three people. Is this like it, the only three people who know it exists? I mean, uh, is, I don't. This knowledge. I don't think the DVD is still in print. Um, right, it's not streaming. No, it is. It, it's it's available it for rent and buy on YouTube and Amazon, which but puts it's not like streaming on HBO Max. I I didn't check. Um, okay, 
Uh, I didn't have. I was watching it on my. T- I was like my DVD. Uh, wouldn't work with this episode because it's a used copy. Um, okay. And I did. I probably could have. Player was like that. So I was like, I didn't think to check HBO Max. By the way, incidentally, I mentioned the Lone Gunman earlier. Uh, that is not not only like they didn't apparently didn't include it as a package deal with the X Files on Hulu or whatever. It's not even available for rent or buy on Amazon. But well, I've made this joke before, and I'll make it again. Uh, the reason you can't get Lone Gunman anymore is because Fox has to cover up that they were involved in 9-11. <laughs> they predicted 9-11, yeah. It's, all 13 episodes are available for free on YouTube, Garth Marenghi style, so if you any X-Files fans are out there listening, it's better than season 8 of the X-Files. I, also, just to explain that joke, uh, for anyone who's not familiar with The Lone Gunman, the pilot episode of The Lone Gunman, honest to God, shot in the year of our lord 2001 aired in march 2001 thwarting a terrorist attack to fly a plane into the world trade center 100 percent, 100 percent. and and it is a conspiracy explicitly to start a pointless war so that the def- like the um the military, defense, uh, military, military contractor cost. apparatus can continue to sell money or to sell shit for money. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's how insane. Spot on it is. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think we're kind of running towards the final couple scenes of the episode. Yeah. At this point, we're, we're real close. Uh. So we have like to... yeah. So uh, we have like a two minute long scene where like. Matt goes to talk to Harriet and she's sitting yeah. in her dressing room listening to sad music and I'm, I just have in my notes like fuck you Aaron was she listening to that or was that the powering uh, a comp- like was I that think, in scene I think that was so most... loud you can't fucking hear them talk at some points. I, I just like think it was diegetic I'm not positive that that was the word I needed to remember yeah and it's like he should have told, if it was in scene, he should have told him to turn it down so they could have, like, a work conversation. But the, the thing that I have in my notes that leads into fuck you, Aaron, is um, Matt says, like, well, our, my, your, your side hates our side because you think we think yes. you're stupid, and our side hates your side because we think you're stupid. I'm like, no, Aaron, I don't hate the religious right because I think they're stupid. I hate them because they're an existential threat to my existence. Yeah, and, and Harriet has this this awful line where she says, "I don't even know what's what the sides are in the culture war." Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh. oh. You hundred. Well, this the sides are. Uh, you don't think certain people should exist, and when you were questioned about it, uh, instead of just in, instead of answering it with like a humane answer, you were like, "These people are going to hell." And the other side is those people who you just said are going to hell, and they're mad because you don't think that they're real people. Yeah, that, that have rights. It's not. It's not hard. It's like it's like really straightforward. One side doesn't like the or one side doesn't want the other side to have rights. It's yeah. I just yeah. want to exist. I'm so excited for Aaron Sorkin's upcoming movie about the fucking capital riots where he tries to both sides it again yeah, <laughs> just well, can't no, goddamn wait 
I don't even know what the two sides are in the QAnon. Actually, that's kind of that's kind of fair. Like, not not understanding what the sides in QAnon are. There, there was a legitimate stance. I literally like this morning when I woke up and was like browsing Twitter, uh, which I do because I hate myself. Uh, you know, it's that it's that uh, it's that what we call it. Uh, Obviously, we all hate ourselves. We're doing a podcast about studios. It's, it's that it's that marriage story meme. You know, every day I wake up and log on to Twitter sobbing. <laughs> but like, I saw a tweet from the Miami GOP, their official account that said QAnon believers were just uh, patriots who believed in like, no, they were not. Who believed in a better government. Like, no, no, that is not what QAnon believers believe. Um, that that's good, because I woke up and remembered the watermelon joke and was like, what the <laughs> fuck did I watch that was so racist? And I was like, oh, stupid. Did I watch, did I watch uh, Bamboozled last night? No, okay, I do want to point out the whole of a Fellini film line. That was funny. Yeah, there, there's there's some funny lines. I have, I do have in my notes, like, when they're leaving and someone has basically told Matt, like, by the way, you're going to have to write a whole other show in case we get Tom back. Someone says to him, Perump is a funny name. And he sort of goes, yeah, that was, that's, that's funny. That's funny. You know what? I'll, yeah. I will take Give it. Give me that one. Yeah. You know, like, for Studio 60, that's fucking gold. Yeah, I'll, like, I'll t- I will take that punchline. I'll go, ha! I, I won't, uh, because that is, it is the thing I complained about earlier, where they're just like, wouldn't this be a funny, uh, concept is, for is a Pahrump sitcom a, episode? Is Pahrump a real place? I believe so. Yes, okay. yes it is. I, I said that, they have 38,000 people. You just offended yeah. the 38,000 people who listen to our show. Um, the thirty-eight thousand. It's our it's our core our key demographic. They just so want they make bread there. Of... They just want to make their bread. <laughs> They're as simple people with their bread and their god and, and their, their brothels and and their brothels. They have two good ones right there. Yeah. Um, I mean, thirty-eight thousand people is a reasonably substantial town. It's but it's unincorporated too. So I mean, it is sort of like, according to Wikipedia. That How can you be just... unincorporated? Thirty-eight thousand. I think because you, I think to have brothels, you can't be incorporated. Oh, because like... I'm like I live, I live in a town in Connecticut that's like twenty thousand people. Being unincorporated is intentional. It is. Well, I suppose on the other. Yeah, no, it I've, usually is. No, I've I yeah. I've no. I mean. Okay, I'm about to, again, reference my home state. Like, I've known towns in Alaska that were unincorporated. Usually it's because they've got, like, like, 50 to 150 people in them. And they're just like, whatever, we've got a post office, that's it. Yeah. We've, we've got a post office, and we go up the river 20 miles to get to a general store. Okay, so... Yeah, I think that after the scene with Harriet and Matt, the show just kind of, like... They, they all get to the police station. Yes. Um, everyone I, is talking way too much. Uh, Matt, just... The, 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 the episode ends with Matt just giving a summary of what happened. <laughs> yeah, but hold on, we gotta wait for that, because... I... Um, but yeah, so we get to the court, or we get to the police station, and they're in a fucking hurry. 
like you can tell they're like keep the pace up in this scene like we got to get through this shit right away because there's enough going on with all the things like jack's gonna bribe the judge and you know simon's going off about the jacket again which means this been going off about the jacket every four minutes because he goes there's off a, about it every very funny line or there's an actually funny line here where when simon first gets in he sits down uh, he's like like don't tell him about the jacket it's got a um it, there's a joint in the pocket and tom's yeah. just like oh you want to you want to smoke like let's light it up because <laughs> like at this point they've already found it so tom's just like yeah whatever <laughs> fuck it's, off it's a little bit less funny though because reminding him about the joint if if we left that out and just had that line, it would have worked so much better. Um, and then we get Kim thinking that uh, Tom's like a bad boy in jail, but they cut from that immediately instead of turning it into like something funny. Uh, wait a second, that's a Seinfeld. It it's it's like. It's like Sorkin watched some Seinfeld and, and wrote this. Okay. <laughs> um, there is, uh, like, definitely, uh, oh god, my, my brain just, I, I, I totally blanked halfway through that sentence. I forget where I was going to go with that. Ugh. <sighs> uh, I'm sorry, my brain's rotting. <laughs> Studio 60 will do that to you. Okay, but yeah, but that's the end of the scene, right? Basically... <clears throat> Uh, it ends with Kim running up to Tom, and then he signed something for her. Like, what does he sign for her? He, yeah, he. Does he have a picture or something? I don't. Oh, think I, I remember what I was going to say. There is a, a kind of funny running joke that they're all confused as to why Kim wants to meet Tom of all yes. people. Yeah, yes. that's okay. Well, <laughs> like... hold on though. Let's let's we we've seen the Studio Sixty cast of men. It's either Tom or Simon. That's fair. Yeah, and, and Tom yeah. is supposed to be one of the big three, even right. though he's like Look, let's let's so be like, let's be totally honest with ourselves. You can be attracted to someone on that show. It's gonna be Sarah Paulson. Right. I mean, yeah, obviously. Like right. Like that's the There's a subplot that Eric Sorkin shockingly he probably would have done that too. He probably would have actually done that two years later. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Um but then we cut to Matt and everyone working on the Simonless episode, or the Tom and Simonless episode now. And they're like, How did this happen? And he starts with, Harriet was born and became a homophobe. And I'm like, That's actually, that's accurate. You know, like, yeah, you know, fair, like keep fair. up the mean. Like, I can't date you because you're a fucking homophobe, not because you sang the national anthem. Like, let's do that. Like, but. And then we get a to be continued that you're just like seriously. That's like we've we've made it back to the beginning of the episode. Literally nothing has happened. We've learned almost nothing except that Harriet is an awful person. Just yeah, it's very hard to like Harriet at this point. Um, Sarah Paulson can't even pretend to like Harriet at this point. There's also this like weird I don't recall what the resolution to this turns out to be, but there's this bit where like Simon's like, just tell him why you were speeding and and, so, oh, yeah. and Tom's like, no, yeah. I won't. You don't remember what it is? Because I remember what it is. I, I don't. I seen this in ten fucking years. I remember. I don't. I don't I, remember what it oh, is. Oh, 
I know oh. what the Deus Ex Machina that gets us out of this trouble is. <laughs> oh, don't tell me! Don't yes. tell me then. I want to find out. You, oh no, we're 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 not going to tell you because there's going to yeah. be something we get to say, a line we get to repeat over and over to you. Oh, bah. oh my actually, god! Okay, I would like you. I would like since you don't know, I, I'd like you to make a prediction. Uh, okay, that's a good what, one. What do yeah. you think it is? What okay. do you think? Just with the knowledge that there is something that Tom can say that will basically get him out of trouble. Uh, what do you think it is? Something that'll get him out of trouble for driving 120 miles an hour. In Nevada. Yes, in, Nevada. in Nevada. Well, the joke answer is, you know, um, that he was stuck in bat country uh, and had to get out. That's a, that's a, good, that's a good joke. <laughs> Actually, I got, my brother got me the Criterion Collection version of that movie for my birthday, and I still need to watch it. Um, I'm going to guess he was trying, he was doing it to save someone's life is going to be, like, somehow, some way, he needed to drive that fast to save someone's life. That is my guess. Okay. Not a bad guess. No, that's a good one. Is this going to be one of those things where, like, my notes just read, like, the diary of a madman when I get to that bit? Uh, yes. Oh, I'm excited. But, oh, I'm excited. It's going to be... Think about... The way you're using mad as an adjective isn't really what you think it is right now. Um... Was he, like, driving away from the Russian mob or something? Like, what's going on? No, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I want to, want to find out. So, oh, yeah, I'll watch so it. To, it's so tempting to spoil it. I, I might actually oh. watch it tonight. Even, like, even though we're yes. probably not going to record for another like the next episode for another like two to three weeks, I might actually watch it tonight. I will, uh, assuming that like there isn't another like I don't know. We kind of we, we were planning on doing this so sooner and then sort of punted with the whole like uh, attempted coup. We, we were supposed to do this of... in December, but December was just yeah. such a month. Yeah, it was just like... There was this whole then, Christmas thing that happened, and then we tried to do it earlier, and then there was this whole, like... Coup, uh, yeah. Coup just... that kind of put us off our pace. <laughs> yeah, it was... I don't know. And then who, in the end, all you're doing is just watching Studio 60 episode. It's hard to look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the thing. What? It's like... I actually Life will. is so terrible. Yeah. Why would you do this to yourself? <laughs> even if... Even if you... Even taking the show at face value, it would be hard to watch it now because it is so fucking aspirational. <laughs> it's just like, Aaron Sorkin, you simple, simple, simple rude. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're I, such a naive I, joke. <laughs> regardless, regardless of what you think of Aaron Sorkin as a creator, like, you can love West Wing and... Newsroom. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I draw the line. To, to quote, to quote, to quote, um, we hate movies. It's okay to like a movie. I'm gonna extend that to it's okay to like a TV show. Um, I haven't seen The West Wing in any real sense, as I've made clear before. But I'm gonna say, like, even if you like Aaron Sorkin as a creator, there are very few writers who are as badly suited to this moment in history as Aaron Sorkin. Oh yeah, that's that's yeah. His, his that's work true. immediately, like you know, maybe it to get back to the point of sort of the societal naivete that we were at at two thousand seven, 
Like, uh, like things would have to get really good. Like, we'd have to get Star Trekky real fast to be able to go back and be like, ah, I can look at this objectively. Like, just enjoy the <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's the thing. Like between you know a miserable Sarah Paulson and a recovering Matthew Perry. That's the thing, like, I don't think I could go watch The West Wing right now because it is, like, I can't even remember what the 90s was like politically. No, but oh, it's... It, the West Wing is is bad even for the 90s. Uh, somehow it doesn't... Somehow it has a repu... It doesn't have that reputation, but it's it's shockingly sexist. I mean, right. I was thinking... Because, I mean, yeah, it's... You know, Aaron Sorkin... You know, does he believe in enthusiastic consent? Uh, like, uh, all three, all I three of my. But West Wing's also going to age really poorly on anything gay rights, and oh it's going to be a... very late. It's going to be like racism isn't really real anymore, too. Because I do, like, I mean, I know Dulé Hill is on it. I like Dulé Hill a lot. Um, yeah, that's... yeah. Uh, I, I was on that. Yeah, he's good. I was just about to say, like, well, all three of my top three favorite TV shows are from the '90s, but I realized, wait a second, two. My favorite TV show of all time had its worst seasons outside of the '90s, and my third favorite had its best season outside of the '90s. That's the X Files and Twin Peaks, respectively. Um. But, so, the the DVD description of Nevada Day Part 2 is, A Nevada judge still holds part of the staff, and airtime is drawing precariously near. And? That's it. Oh. Where's the cringe? Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, like, the, the, the kind of central tension of the episode has, has already been resolved. Like, Kim got to meet, uh, uh <laughs> like, if he... If they have to do a, an episode without him and Simon, like it's not, it's whatever. It's an it's an episode of Studio Sixty. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I was kind of, I was kind of worried that like that description being that dry meant we were moving away from Studio Sixty's episode descriptions being like the cringiest thing possible. Then I sort of looked at the next disc. No, we're okay. Where one of the, the the description for the thirteenth episode opens with snakes alive. I'm so excited. Uh, oh, I remember that episode. There's, <laughs> there's a literal snake. Yes. Oh my god. A... Uh, um, all right. I think that's I think that's all we've got to say. Yeah. Um, okay. I I would I would say that I. Uh, we doing the next episode's gonna be funny based on what the reveal is. So you know we should we should carry through this enthusiasm with our schedule. <laughs> we should we should try to get it. We should try to get to it a little faster than two months from now. Yeah. All right. From all of us here at Podcast Sixty, I think that's uh, that's it. That's, uh, to be continued. Well, no, obviously the way we need to end this episode is one of us needs to now give an exhaustive recap of everything that happened in our episode. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, you know, buckle in, I'm going to recount the last hour and a half. <laughs> click! Click! <laughs> it all started when we started talking about... Nope, <laughs> nope! ...getting arrested and going to Nevada. 
We talked about how we like John Goodman and other but maybe not anymore as a person. I made a reference to B-Movie because I do that at every opportunity. Uh, uh, good night, everyone. <laughs>